Hey, you're listening to How Are We Not Invited, episode five. This week was such a fun episode to record, so you're in for a treat. We're chatting about what we've been up to and how to turn a bad situation into a good one, especially during quarantine, which led to some really funny minor celebrity encounter stories. Then our guest is Steph Charbonneau, a graphic designer and food blogger who will tell us all about her journey back to health while fighting Lyme disease. And what the heck does a graphic designer do in the movies? Well, listen and find out. Plus, the three of us learn we all have a little connection with one of everyone's favorite comedians. I'm on vacation this week, so I'm setting that out of office email and I got a bunch of free time. So like, how are we not invited? Rolling out now for an epic night Dressed to the nines, all stars in sight But to their fright, they can't get inside And on the guest list, we'll check it twice Can't get in, revs anger ignited MK's heart stop, can't revive it Bouncer saying, hey, let's not get excited They yell back, how are we not invited? Sometimes it's I just so like catchy. sometimes I just like play it like six times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> like I wish it was like a song on the radio. Oh my god. It like could be. It's very good. I know. Chris, when are you, Chris O'Reilly, when are you getting famous so that we can put this intro song on your first album? <laughs> I, anyway, happy episode five, everyone. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. We're so excited to have you back. Yes, this feels like a fun episode to me. And like, it could just be the fact that I am kind of on vacation. Like I feel good. Um, I've left the city for the first time in all of quarantine. So oh, please, that's... please tell me what it was like getting out of the city. Well, first of all, where are you? Tell everyone. I am, I am on Cape Cod. I am at my parents' condo here, right? on the river and it's beautiful. Oh. It's like literally staring at boats passing me by right now. So if I'm echoing, it's because of the window that I refuse to not sit in front of. I don't blame you. Um, Everyone can deal with echoing and just envision oh. Mary Kate's view of beautiful New England on it's Cape so Cod. Serene. It's oh. like literally exactly what you would imagine. There is a American flag, a giant flagpole with American flag, like waving in the breeze oh. with boats in the background. Like it is, it is as picturesque and like in such a gross way that you could imagine so i'm it's great. so jealous my view is literally like my patio and the apartment building's pool so you know what pool not day. too shabby that's true <laughs> true true i was nervous about leaving though like it seemed really? it's so weird like i wasn't like nervous about our safety or anything but it just like felt weird to be leaving like the place that you've been sit and sheltering for for like four months because I haven't done anything because I'm really right. compromised so I just like don't do anything ever and so yesterday trying to like leave the city trying to leave our house even I was like do we have this do we have that do we have this da, 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 da. what if we need this and Nick was like chill like it's okay <laughs> we're gonna be fine he's like do you want to go tomorrow and I was like no I have to go now because if I don't go now, I just will never go. I'll like right. find a reason not to do it. You had to take the plunge. I know yes. it's like, I feel like traveling in general is always a little bit like you get anxious and it's a little bit stressful because you're worried about what you packed. And then on top yeah. of it, like you said, like to travel during a quarantine, whether you're driving or flying, like is a little bit nerve wracking. So. Yeah. I'm but. the worst packer too. Like I said to Nick, as we were driving, I was like, I wish I was just someone who could like throw things in a bag and go and I'm actually the person who like throws things in seven bags and goes and like, <laughs> yeah it's not great <laughs> you're one of those a heavy I packer I am I am I'm like well I might need rain boots in the summer on the cape like you what, if, what if it rains I might need them yeah <laughs> oh okay <laughs> yeah but what um, have you been up to you know, it was a pretty low-key week for me. I have to say that I binged on the HBO show Girls, oh, which I know is a very old show, everyone. I know I'm out of date. <laughs> this is what I do. I, like, won't – I remember that show being so popular in, like, 2014, right? Or whenever it came yeah. out before then. And everyone was watching it, and I was like, I don't want to watch that. 
everybody's watching that. It looks like it's going to be annoying. I don't want to watch it. And then I was always intrigued by it, though. So yeah. I binged all six seasons over the past, well, not just this past week. It's been a couple weeks, but I finally finished it. And okay. I just have, I know you watched it, right, Mary-Kate? I did watch it. So I, yeah, I watched it when it was on. And then like towards the end kind of of it, I had just moved to Brooklyn. So I very much like lived that life. And actually, I don't think I ever told you this. My apartment, my first apartment that I lived in in Brooklyn, so this was 2015, mm -hmm. um, was above Cafe Grumpy, <gasps> which was like in the show. You're kidding yeah. me. Oh yeah. God, that's so, so I was funny. like, I remember looking for apartments and being like, this is it. This is my like girl's life. This is my moment. Well, like I, I'm yeah, doing because it. You, okay. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Girls is the Lena Dunham directed, written, produced show on HBO. And it's about four friends who I believe all met in college, four girls, and they're all in their mid twenties and they all live in New York city and they're mm -hmm. trying to, you know, make it like they're trying to figure out their job situation and themselves and they're lots all, of interpersonal drama yeah lots of drama there's a couple nobody's of, a good person nobody's a good person <laughs> very typical white girl like spoiled self-centered mm -hmm. um egotistical narcissistic like <laughs> yeah totally. um and there's a couple male characters that they feature like adam drivers and the whole thing who i know everyone loves oh my god um, he what, is the hottest ugly guy ever <laughs> true, um, yes i have to say you know you look at adam driver quickly and you're like whoa what is that and then like <laughs> You're like, wait a what second. What is that? But then you're like, wait a second. Like, actually, what is that? Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm gonna climb then, that tree. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and then you realize, like, he has the best body ever, and yeah. he's such a big man. Yeah, he's. But then and he's a good actor. He's like really good. Uh, he was the best one. Yeah. Well, yeah. I have to say, so um, I disliked all the female characters. Sure. But, and at the end of the day, I ended up liking all the male characters. So I loved Adam Driver. I loved mm -hmm. um, Ray, who's played by Alex. I'm going to butcher his last name. I don't even know his last name. Alex Kaparsky. Oh my God, I can't even say it. Karpovsky, I believe. Karpovsky. And then Interesting. their gay best friend, Elijah, who's played by Andrew Reynolds. Andrew Reynolds. Yes, oh my god, him. Elijah is <laughs> uh, I love I, Andrew Reynolds in like anything he does. He's very funny. He's so good. So I feel like the I mean, let let's we won't spend too much time on the show because everyone's yeah. probably like, girls, this was like ten years ago. Why <laughs> are you talking about this? But sometimes it's fun to like revisit old shows and like talk about it, especially because it's been such a long time. Um but my only comment at the end of the day, other than the fact that all the actresses are very strong, like, I'm not hating on you, Lena Dunham. You're a great actress, and so are the rest of the girls. Great writer. Um, great writer, great director. Props to you for those things. But I just have to say that I was very disappointed when the show ended because I just felt like there was no growth in any of the characters. Mm -hmm. And they all ended up just being just as shitty and self-serving as they were at the beginning. And I think that's just an interesting way for a show. It was just interesting that they did that show that way. Usually yeah. you see growth in characters or there's big changes or, you know, but yeah. for this one, it kind of just showed that like, you know what? Sometimes people just are who they are. And yeah. <laughs> there's I no changing that. It's been a long time since I saw girls, but mm -hmm. I feel like, the changes that happened to them like happened externally from them like they didn't change as human beings which i feel like is so different from the way that people actually function most people anyway like right yeah there are a lot of external factors happening like move a job might change your relationships change but like you learn and grow from those things and that didn't happen for right exactly like they had many relationships they had family issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, 
Lena Dunham's character gets pregnant at the end. Spoiler alert! Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's like, it it didn't change, you know, inherently. Yeah, I do feel like there are women that I was friends with in Brooklyn in that time that like, I have, I don't really still know them that well right now, but like, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't grow either. So maybe it's just like an entitlement thing. I don't know. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, it's interesting. I was going to say like, do you feel living in New York? Cause how long have you been in New York now? Uh, five, six years, six years. So, and you've been in, well, you were in Brooklyn and now you're in Queens. mm -hmm, I was in Brooklyn in the same neighborhood that girls was set in, in Greenpoint. Now I live Mm -hmm. in Queens. It's very different vibes in the neighborhood. Um, Greenpoint, Brooklyn is very white, very um, rich. It's too expensive, which is why I moved. I wanted to live on my own. And so the only way to afford that was to live in Queens. And it's like still a much like very cool neighborhood, really like much more chill, I would say. But yeah. um, Fun anecdote about girls. when I was living in uh, Greenpoint was I matched with Ray on Tinder. Stop it. Yeah. No, you did not. Yes. And I like had to shoot my shot. Like, cause you know, like (gasps) on Tinder, you like maybe don't message, whatever. And so I was like, I can't like let this pass. Like it's Ray. But I was like, what do I say? Um, Oh my God. What did you say? What did I say? So I think at the time, actually a friend of ours from working in Boston, Jen Driscoll. Hi Jen. Shout out Jen Driscoll. Hey Jen, you better be listening. Um, Right. (laughs) Uh, she told me that she had met him at a Halloween party in <gasps> Brooklyn like years before. Okay, and so right. she told me like, tell him that your friend Jen met him at a Halloween party. And I was like, yes, I'm oh, cool. Perfect. I'm in. This yes. is exactly it. And then he fucking didn't answer. <gasps> Thanks a lot, Ray. Ray. Alex. I, I, yeah, that's his real name, right? That's probably the problem. Was that I probably addressed him as Ray. Wait, and- I, was just gonna say- Wait, I don't think I did, but like it's very possible. Oh my God, Mary Kate, that is so awesome. That is like a dream to match with a famous person. I matched with a few in New York. It happened occasionally, but it's not so like funny to me that they big. like put themselves out there on Tinder like that. Like they don't well, even. Well, now care. there's like, yeah, there's like a different app the dating app for like famous people and associates of famous people called raya and you have to be like invited to it and you're not allowed to talk about it i'm obviously not in it so i can talk about it also i have a wonderful boyfriend but and you're um, also not invited to raya mary super not invited to raya (laughs) (laughs) not be invited at all me but the hearsay (laughs) is and they're not supposed to talk about it it's like fight club they're not supposed to but like a friend of a friend of a friend of mine like quite literally matched with Chandler Bing um Matthew Perry so oh my god I don't even know if I would want to go on a date with him sorry Chandler probably not probably Ooh. not yeah <laughs> that's so funny so I guess uh a good thing about quarantine is sometimes you can get into some really old shows and mm-hmm. binge and then you can sit there and critique them because you have all the time in the world to do that totally. <laughs> yeah and why not the other thing i've been doing recently um is i've been doing pilates classes on zoom you know how they have like zoom workout yeah. classes now That's so awesome. a friend in the industry actually um used to live in LA and now she lives in Atlanta and there's this Pilates studio called Fitmix Studios here in LA and she used to belong to it and when she found out they were doing Zoom classes she like jumped on it and she was like well you live in LA you should start doing these Zoom classes with me and then you can Mm. actually join the studio when they get back up and running yeah so I've been doing these classes and I just it just you know, later in the episode, we're going to talk to Steph and, and we talk about making a bad situation into a good situation yeah. and, or trying to see the positive, I should say, in a bad. And I, I will say during this time of quarantine, funny enough, like just doing these Zoom workout classes with this new studio, meeting these trainers 
And mm-hmm. I never used to do Pilates, so trying a new different form of working out, it has really kept me in a positive mindset. And I just feel like I kind of like awesome. belong to this new community now. And I get really excited for like, I do like a 9am class on Friday and I get really excited to see my friend Marjorie. Hi, Marjorie. And um, <laughs> to see the trainer, Hi, <laughs> the trainer, Allie, who's just so sweet. And, you know, I haven't done it like I'm getting more into it now. Um, yeah. But it's just, you know, it's one small win of quarantine is that I would have never yes. joined this studio or met these people or or started getting into Pilates if I didn't have this time. Yeah, it's kind of amazing what having time that you would have otherwise filled with like just work probably, you know, right. and you're forced into having free time and it's like, well, what am I going to do with that? How am I going to come out the other side of this and I think that rings very true with Steph where like she couldn't work for other reasons that we'll get into but like yeah what do you what do you do how do you how do you make it into something positive for yourself right and I feel like you end up tapping into all these things that you didn't you would never have done and realizing things about yourself like a talent you might have an artistic Mm -hmm. ability you might have um you know, meeting people that you wouldn't normally have met. Like, it's just, you know, even us just doing this podcast, like we tapped into this whole new creative field of editing audio and figuring out even how to post a podcast. I mean, we did like a month of research figuring out all this stuff. And I feel like we would have never, we probably wouldn't have done this, you know, if if we didn't have quarantine going on. Yeah. And you get to kind of develop new communities. Like we're all of like people that you know are becoming people that I know Mm -hmm. and like we're growing our following. And like, I know for me, a lot of what I've been doing in quarantine is trying to tap into like the alumni network at my school who may not have otherwise had time to talk to me just like without any ends. Like I'm not calling or emailing cold to say like can you give me a job I'm emailing to make a connection with a person and I feel like so many people are so open to that right now because we have this free time right and you know there are no stakes Mm -hmm. I like made a ridiculous error in an email because I sort of have been cold emailing a lot of people and there's like a general sense of an email that I'm sending like not copy and pasting necessarily but I accidentally wrote an email to a guy and wrote hi Jessica and it was not his name but you know immediately like I recognized the error and like since a correction was like I promise this email was for you Mm -hmm. uh I would still love to talk to you like again no stakes like you can just build a community and he was totally chill about it he was like no worries let's talk and so I think the sense of like connecting with other people is even stronger right now which is so cool yeah, and I feel like people, you know, even if it's not necessarily that they have extra time, but people are kind of like opening up their minds and being more sensitive during this time because there's just so many awful things going on in the country um, and the world for that matter, just with, you know, the coronavirus, mm-hmm. um, the protests, Black Lives Matter, like all that stuff. I feel like people are kind of like, you know, really getting in touch with themselves and, and being more, more sensitive and caring to other, to other human beings. Yeah. And everybody's trying to figure out a way to help one another. Exactly. Which exactly. is so awesome. And I think Steph, Steph definitely has done that with her. Oh work, my God. So I feel yeah. Like maybe is, we should get into Steph. I would. Yeah. I think this is great. Um, let's do it. Awesome. everyone we have Steph Charbonneau here with us today we're so excited hi Steph hey girls hey Mary Kate hey Rebecca how are you doing well good we're good good. it's it's a a beautiful Saturday here in Los Angeles and Steph you're over in Boston right I'm in Boston yeah I'm in Boston over here quarantining with my family I I, I live in LA but I've been out here for a while but still sunny and warm here so I can't complain I'm just happy to have another person as a guest that's on my coast because <laughs> it's the first one. I know. Time zone. I know. 
the past few we've been uh all on the west coast so you got your east coast girl with you um yeah, right so well fun. so that's i guess how you guys know each other is from starting working here in massachusetts i didn't work with staff um our timing sort of zigged and zagged but that's how you guys know each other right right yep we met on a film called which is now titled business or pleasure i believe um other way around right wasn't it business it's business trip now and it was like, oh maybe called business? why do i know this i didn't work on i don't it. know well i thought you worked yeah. on it but it's i've just never think... heard business of pleasure i've it's heard a... business <laughs> It's a Vince Vaughn film, a Vince Vaughn, Davy Franco film that Steph, that's where we met, right? Steph on that movie. We did. We yeah. Met, I think that was like what, 2012 we met on that movie. Yep. And I was working in the production office and Steph, you're a graphic designer. Right. I work in the art department yes. and we just connected on that movie. And then we both kind of went our own ways. I moved to LA about a year and a half after that. Rebecca, you stayed in Boston for a while. Yeah. And then we re just reconnected last year in Atlanta. Um, yes, on Coming to America, the sequel, which mm -hmm. our guest on episode four, Rob Smith, I met him there as well. So I'm just bringing all the Coming to America crew <laughs> on to my podcast. Come um, to America, come to my podcast. So Steph, <laughs> it's so funny. So you work in the arts department, you're a graphic designer, and it's a lot of people don't actually know what that means, which, you know, we take for granted working on movies that, oh, just like, oh, yeah, like, I do this, like, obviously, everyone knows what that is. But graphic designer is one of those jobs, I feel like where people are like, what does that entail on a film? So can you tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, I get that question a lot, actually, it's very vague. Um, so I, I basically design I design signs, props, banners, anything that you see on a film set, I will design it, I will I will create it. Uh, it's basically, this is how the process works. I work for an art director who's like my manager, mm -hmm. and then we work for um, a production designer who designs the whole movie. And, you know, we have meetings and we chat about the look, what we're looking for. And then I will either go to set, I'll go to a location, you know, kind of figure out what signs that we need to change out. Um, I read the script, I do a script breakdown of what I think we may need to, you know, have, um, mm -hmm. whether it be signs, props, um, I do newspaper articles, anything that's scripted, wow. um, you know, any kind of Photoshop work. So when you see an actor with like a famous person, I will Photoshop their head over, you know, whoever else is in the photo. I'll make it oh, look right. like real. Um, so it's basically like a one man show. There's really only one graphic artist on a movie. Sometimes two oh will have God. two if it's rare. So it's I crazy. work for costume, you know, just stuff for their patches. I've done pattern design. I worked on um, GI Joe and I did a lot of the custom uniforms and um, prints, camouflage prints. So I've done a lot. Um, we, do, so we do vehicles, much. we do police. Yeah, we, we pretty much just service every department and um, it's pretty crazy. And then after I design everything, I have to have it approved by our production designer. And then I work with sign shops to have it made. So I have all these vendors I work with um, Wow. to have it produced. That's we do. Yeah. yeah, because like, yeah. this is what I always think of for graphic designers. So like, if you're watching a movie and someone say is, you know, walking down the street and there's, you know, restaurants and stores and everything, like you probably made the signs, right? For right. all those restaurants and like whatever's in the window, you know, for as right. far as signs or anything like that. Like, and even like if they were to go into a grocery store, like don't you make the packaging on a lot of the foods and, and stuff right. like that, which is yeah, crazy. A, a lot of the times, you know, we can't use products because, you know, if there's violence in the scene, if something's rated R, a lot of products don't want to be involved with us. So we have right. to create fictional product. And if we have a store that they're walking through, um, I worked on the equalizer and we had to create a big fictional Lowe's. I think it was called like Homart and it was an empty Lowe's. And since it was all violence, we had to create every single package design in that whole store, every aisle from like lawn wow. to like lawn and garden to the tools to all the aisle signage. And it was the biggest graphic project I've ever had to do. Um, I had someone come on and help me with that one. Cause it was just so, so much, but, um, 
Most people don't know that we don't film in the location that we're shooting in. Exactly. Exactly. So yes. So so for instance, like I, when I was in New Orleans a couple of years ago, I worked on a movie which took place in Germany. It took place in, you know, all these countries, North Mm -hmm. Korea, and we filmed it all in New Orleans. So I have to create all these signs to kind of sell it that we are in this country. So we have translators and. Oh my God. So it's so extensive. And like to that point, you know, we, a lot of, for the audience that doesn't know, a lot of times we build sets within a stage, a sound stage or a warehouse. So I'm sure Steph, that's a lot of work too. If they're building a store or something within a stage Right. Because nothing exists already. So we can't use anything that's already there at a location just to cover it. We have to create everything has to be new. Right. It's fun though. I mean, you know, it's, it's creative and it's, it's just a lot. It's, it's a lot to do. Sometimes it's very overwhelming, but then when you watch the movie, you can actually see your stuff on camera, you know, which is pretty cool. You can kind of see, you know, what got cut after spending hours. You're like, didn't even get seen. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, it's, you know, just to see your props and all your stuff on camera is pretty rewarding after all of it. So that's amazing. It's fun. So I'm curious, like where you get the inspiration to like design these things. Like, are you pulling from what actually exists? Are you making things that look like another brand without like it actually being that brand? Is it just coming from your imagination? Like where, where does it all come from? I definitely do a lot of research. It kind of depends what I'm working on. Like for instance, if I do a show that takes place in 1940, it sort of have to create what was there. So you sort of have to look at the fonts that were used. A lot of it was hand painted. Um, If it's something in the future, it hasn't been created before. So you really don't have much to look at. Like there's not a lot out there. And a lot of the stuff that's out there is kind of tacky. You know, it's just a lot of like sci-fi techie stuff. So you have to sort of be like really innovative. And that's when you really have to be, you have to be really creative. So Mm -hmm. um, anything for current day, I mean, honestly, most current day stuff, it kind of is what it is like gas station logos. You just have to kind of go with that same color palette, that same feel. So it feels like a gas station you know reds Mm. and greens and um I'm pretty observant when I go out to sort of see like you know new restaurants and like what their logos look like I take photos a lot of what things look like Mm -hmm. now um but in terms of you know thinking about doing something that takes place back in time you know 1960s 70s it kind of has to be what was already there you just have to sort of create a fictional version of it so colors, fonts are a big thing. Um, I can really tell time. Um, you know, it's funny because sometimes cool. I watch movies and, and I see these fonts being used in 1970s movies. And I'm like, that font was created in 1995. That is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bunsen. I so, know when that font was. Yeah. Oh that's so funny. God. That's actually a funny point you make because, Mary Kay, I'm sure you feel the same way. Like when you, when you work behind the scenes on a movie you can never watch a movie the same way again so like when I go to watch a movie that I worked on it's not like it's almost not like the enjoyable experience as if I hadn't worked on it because you're like nitpicking every single scene you're like oh yeah I remember that day on set that was the day that you know that crazy thing happened or oh yeah that scene I remember we had like location issues and you know, or you're just always like in yeah. your head, just like thinking about like, and I'm sure for you, Steph, you're like in your head when you watch movies and your movies thinking like, oh my God, that was that graphic that like made my day a living hell or. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just going to say, I even think about it watching movies that I didn't work on. Like we were watching Palm Springs on Hulu, the new yes. Andy Samberg movie. I loved yeah. it. We were watching it That's last so night. Good. And I was like, man, that must have been pretty inexpensive because they were at one location. But like, what does that cost? And like, they're wearing the same costume. So how many of them did they buy? And like, I'm constantly thinking in cost and like logistics. When I watch a movie that has a ton of extras, I always get in my head about like the logistics of the day for like the assistant directors and like how they had to bring on a hundred extras. And also like, is some of it visual effects? you know, is it not all of these people? Right. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I, 
just from being in production, Mary Kay, I feel the same way, like, and maybe even with graphics, because you know how much things cost stuff, like, I definitely do that too, where I'm like, oh my god, this movie has so much visual effects, it has so much action, the actors are all big name actors, this must have been a $200 million movie, like, oh my god. (laughs) That was an extensive build. Yeah. Yeah. I have like a really silly question for you, Steph, because it's something that I just always wonder when I'm looking at when I'm watching a movie and they show like a picture of like Ryan Reynolds as a kid, like his character is looking at like a photo album or whatever. Are they actually them as a kid or are you using other kids? Or are you like CGIing together what Ryan Reynolds would have looked like as a kid? Like I wonder every time, I swear. <laughs> I have to say, those young photos normally come from the actors. Normally, they will provide us a package. I have to say, like, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but my computer is full of actors' photos when they're children. I have, like, (laughs) I mean, I probably shouldn't say who I have, but I have... I have oh like, oh my god, maybe I should get rid of these like Tom Hanks photos. Like, I'm afraid that someone's gonna hack into my computer <laughs> and steal them and put them on the internet. And then it's like, wait a minute, like, yeah, no, it, it's I no, normally those are they are real photos, unless in the movie there is a kid actor that plays him, you know, like as an older, Gosh, you know, like a use. flashback scene, right? Then we do a photo shoot with the kid actor, pretend that that was him as a kid. But if it's, I mean, a lot of times you can tell it's it's them or it's not them mm-hmm. um it depends yeah. how many you know some actors are pretty stubborn with giving us photos sometimes I'll get like two and they're like really small like really low pixelation and I'm like how am I gonna work mm. with that so I have to sort of make it work sometimes I kind of have to you know just like take the photo and add some out you know some pieces to it you know eyes and mm. I have to kind of fix it up to make it look more high resolution but yeah most of the time they're real yeah. um which I remember is good for on, us. I remember so cool. actually on coming to America that I somehow got involved with having to get an actor's baby photos or a couple of the actor's baby photos um, and then had to send them to the art department. So Yeah, right yeah, to me. Cr- yeah. <laughs> right to Steph. <laughs> so right on. She worked her magic. It sounds like, I guess what you wouldn't realize, like you explaining stuff, having to like constantly be paying attention to colors and schemes and staying mm-hmm. up with like the years of everything, like, you have to really have an artistic talent to be a graphic designer. It's not like you can Seriously. just go like, you can't just go teach yourself Photoshop and be like, I can graphic design a film. Like, it sounds like, you know, this right. is something that you studied, that you have an artistic ability for it. You know, this is not something that I feel like you can't already have like a talent for. And, or, you know, and I don't think people realize that. Right. You know, unfortunately, I do know some people that do graphics that just know the programs and and you can definitely tell those people from the ones who are like artistic because it's just a whole different, whole different skill set. You know, you're like, oh, they're not very observant, you know. So, I mean, you can definitely see the difference between people that just learn Photoshop and do graphics and then the ones that like have like an art background. But yeah, you have to like really know composition and layout, you know, I mean, you kind of have to come up with it on a whim, you know, like mm-hmm. they'll come to you and say, we need yeah. this, this, by this, by this day. And you're like, how do I make that? Oh, shoot. And you have to just start looking up, you know, research and trying to figure out how to make this graphic and how to make it work and how to, you know, it's, right. it's not just, not just designing on the computer. You have to figure out how to make it like in real life. So yeah. what materials are we going to use? And are we wow. going to, you know, it has to be removable oh, wow. or we have to have like a stunt needs to go through. It has to be really breakable and, you know, so you have to think about the whole like onset logistics of it as well, rather than just the design of it. So it's you, you have to learn like construction materials. And I got to say, I'm the girliest girl. Like when I first got in this business, I was like, what is MDF word? Like, what is central? Like, I didn't know yeah, what any is construction material. <laughs> but now I feel like I, I could like go build the house. <laughs> oh, I totally understand that. I had a crazy story yeah. from my the first movie I ever worked on that relates to graphics. Um, I was a construction PA on Grown Ups 2 and we were shooting in Marblehead, Massachusetts and somebody like yourself made a pizza sign for the pizza shop. They were using a pizza shop in Marblehead and they ended up renaming it to whatever. And so initially there were two signs made and the, the pizza shop owner had been told that they could keep one of the signs. And then it came down from Sony Columbia Pictures that the sign actually was owned by Columbia and so 
somehow it fell to me to go get the sign back from the pizza shop. I don't know if you've ever heard the story, Rebecca. No, so I, I haven't. My boss, the construction coordinator is like, yeah, go to Marblehead Pizza, get the sign. I was like, all right, sure. So I go into this pizza shop and this like old Italian dude is standing there and I was like, hi, so I'm here from the movie. I'm like, this is my first job ever. Right. Uh, I need the sign back. And he's like, I don't have it. And I was uh -oh. like, uh, I think, oh, you no. know, it actually is owned by Sony. You know, I'm just like, I'm just trying to do my job. And then he goes, well, how do I know that you actually worked on the movie? Oh, my God. Like, well, <laughs> um, oh, my you God. You know, yeah, I I do. I have my um, parking pass that's in the car. Like, <laughs> I don't know. What do you want from me? I'm, you know, very, very new to this. And he gave me such a hard time. And literally, as this is happening, Adam Sandler walks down the street <laughs> because he always took breaks. Like, I don't understand how they even got the movie shot. Love Adam Sandler, but like, he loves to take a break. He loves to play basketball. <laughs> around the city. He, yeah, yeah. He's hanging out. So him and his wife <laughs> walk down the street right outside of this pizza shop and the damn pizza shop owner yells out the window to Adam Sandler and he goes, <gasps> hey, Adam, this girl's trying to steal your sign. Oh, no. no. I was like mortified, absolutely mortified. And like, obviously, Adam Sandler doesn't know me. I'm a construction PA. I've never <laughs> been around anyone. He doesn't know me. And he's just like shrugs it off and whatever. And then at the rap, there was like a payoff because at the rap party, he, um, my friend was talking to him because my, my friend's dad had done like charity work with him. Okay. So my friend was talking to him at the rap party um, after pushing him over, which is a different story. But um, he was talking to him and then Adam Sandler was like, hope you got the sign back. Good job on this one. Oh, he like, remembered. Oh, you, so oh nice. my God. But yeah, they wouldn't give me the sign. That's so funny. <laughs> I met Adam Sandler a very long time ago when I worked for Spike Television. I worked for this little show where they promoted um, upcoming movies and they did little interviews with the actors. I actually sat next to him on a couch and got to chat Ooh. with him for a couple minutes back when I was like 23 years old. And he was so nice. Yeah. Shout out so to nice. Adam Sandler if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. He is, we love he is you. really nice. Take as many breaks as you want, Adam. We love you. <laughs> you deserve it. Yeah. I actually always see him um, at, at my coffee shop in um, Santa Monica. I, I see oh, him a lot do? hanging out. Yeah, I think he hang, hangs out with his agent or there's someone there. He's always there having meetings. And I'm like, should I say hi? You know, of, of course, when I work with an actor, I, I have no like, I don't really care. Like I'm working with them. I'm not starstruck. But when I see them out in public, I'm like, oh my God, it's Adam Sandler. Even though I was with him like on set like a month ago, I'm like, oh my, this is so cool. It's like this whole different dynamic when you see them outside of work. It's like a whole different thing. But what movies did so you funny. do with him, Steph? Um, actually, I did not do movies with him, but I did movies with his production company. So oh. I did Mall Cop. Mm. Actually, Mall Cop was my first movie. I have a funny story about that. Please I tell actually, it. Please yeah. tell I actually, it. <laughs> I believe that it was uh, Happy Madison Films was mm -hmm. uh, Mall Cop because he was on, on set a few times with us. Um, so I actually did not work in the business then. I was working outside of, um, after I graduated school, like most of us, I didn't mm -hmm. know what I wanted to do mm -hmm. um, for work. And, you know, one of my friends, I was working at this restaurant and she's like, hey, we're looking for managers at this retail store. Would you like to be a manager? And I'm like, I might as well, like, you know, it's a real job. Yeah, you know, job. For money. Yeah. So, um, so I started working at this mall as this manager and I kept getting, you know, moved up and right yeah the general manager um, whatever right I'm right in the ranks so in the retail right biz. <laughs> right so i was just like big store manager it was in the burlington mall right i was gonna it was say in burlington yeah. it was in yep. it was in burlington mass so it's my high school um, mall hung out oh there. Hey. <laughs> That's where my career began, Mary Kay. Good old, good old Burlington Mall. Yeah, so I, I was working as, as a store manager and they were shooting mall cop in my mall and they kept coming in like, your music's really loud. Can you turn it down while we're shooting? And I, of course I was like, yeah, anything for you guys. Sure, this is so cool. You know, I thought it was the coolest thing. So cut to a few months later, because it was you know, filming in a mall during Christmas, they were asking for like, you know, help overnight, help, you know, for crowd control. 
So of course, the film was asking like, for help. Stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For like the film production assistance. Right. Yeah. Um, so they would come into our store and said, Hey, listen, if you guys have anybody that, you know, want some extra money on the weekends, we're looking for some help on set. And I said, Hey, if you want me to help, I'm happy to help out. So right. I ended up like on my days off, I ended up just helping out on set and I got, you know, coffee for the director and I did all the crappy jobs. And yep. I, to be honest with you guys, I was making more as a set PA than I was as a store retail manager being wow. so stressed out. Yep. So, I mean, I was on the show for like four months. I went from locations. I worked in wardrobe for a while. They kept bouncing me around. So I guess they wanted to keep me on, but they couldn't find a place for me. Uh -huh. um, but I really got to learn the ropes working in different departments. And then when that show ended, I actually put in my two weeks notice. I was supposed to, you know, be this big, like, you know, manager of like a whole district. And I just, I didn't feel like it was right for me. So I took the plunge and I got a call to be uh, a director's assistant on the next movie coming to town. So I worked for a director and he was super great. So cool. He showed me like behind the scenes and he found out that I could do graphics. I went to school uh, for graphics. Right. I assume and you had to have gone to school. Yeah. You're so talented at it. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, no. And then he, um, he's like, Hey, you know, I need some business cards. If you want to help me out on the, on the side, you know, while you're not doing anything. Wow. So I did his website, his business cards. He had a side company oh, did graphics for, and he said, girl, you're in the wrong department. So he helped me, <laughs> he helped me on the next show, get in the art department. So oh. then I just kind of got in the union and then like everything kind of rolled in from there. And I was in the union in like maybe like less than a year and now I'm doing graphics. So it's kind of a weird situation that I love that my, so much. yeah. So I got in yeah. totally by accident. I didn't go to mm -hmm. school for film. I had to learn it, you know, just by being in it. But yeah, so that's sort of like how everything started. It was a really um, interesting story. It's so cool. thanks to Adam Sandler. So Adam, exactly. yeah. Adam. <laughs> I kind of want to say hi to him at the coffee shop. <laughs> we all have early career experiences with Adam Sandler. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. Okay. So speaking of your talents, Steph, you're a woman of many talents. I wanted to talk about something else that you do, which is artistic, um, which is food photography. But before we even get into that, uh, earlier in the episode, Mary Kate and I were talking a lot about, you know, how we're going through some difficult times because of quarantine and how we can make, you know, or how we're trying to make bad, a bad situation into a good situation. And I wanted to kind of talk about a journey that you've been through, which ended up leading to a really good situation that you were able to, you know, artistically create something new. So can you actually talk about your diagnosis of Lyme disease and what that meant for you and how that led to like a whole new artistic journey. Yeah. So I was working in the industry for like five or six years. It's a high burnout. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of hours. It's high stress. And 2016, I started getting sick, um, really bad stomach pains. I didn't know what was wrong with me. Joint pain, fatigue, just random symptoms that nobody could figure out. Um, cut to a few months later, after a lot of testing, they found out that I had chronic Lyme disease. Uh, I traced it back to a tick bite that I got in uh, 2015 while I was running um, outside. Um, and it took a couple of years for me to, you know, you know, see the symptoms. I didn't see my tick bite. I didn't get the red rash that everyone says you got a red rash. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, antibiotics um, can't cure it. So, because what it does is, is it goes into your body and it like buries into your bones and your tissues and starts wreaking havoc on your nervous system, your immune system. Um, so I went through like a two or three year battle with Lyme. I did every treatment you can think of. I, the average Lyme patient takes like 40 to 60 pills a day just to keep their body running, like all sorts of supplements. And I couldn't do that. I had a really sensitive stomach from it. I couldn't stomach anything. Um, I tried ozone therapy, which is when they pull blood out and they spin it and they put it back in and, Jeez. um, the ozone, um, it's like an oxygen, um, that will kill all the bacteria mm -hmm. in your blood and they put it back in. So anyways, it's really, really hard to kill, um, because it hides from your immune system and wow. it just causes all these crazy issues. So 
um, I ended up finally after doing several crazy treatments for Lyme and just side note, this is all out of pocket. Um, Lyme is not recognized oh by God. the CDC. So there's what? no funding for it. There's no cure for it. And it's all out of pocket. And I put myself literally put myself in debt trying to treat myself because it's just unbelievable. Wow. Doctors that treat Lyme will get caught and they'll have to owe back all the money that they spent with their insurance, you know, trying to cover treatment. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really messed up. They don't want to acknowledge it. So, you know, our whole community is just trying to raise awareness for it because it's just this disease that can really put you down. And, um, you know, it, it, it just attacks all different parts of your body. Some people are like wheelchair bound. I mean, I'm lucky that I wasn't that bad. Um, so anyways, I went through, um, in 2017, I did a stem cell replacement. Um, it was out of Germany. I did it in Beverly Hills. So these German doctors came and it was a two week treatment. It was really intense. I have to say it was like probably the hardest two weeks of my life. It was like a chemotherapy kind of for Lyme. They do these crazy IVs, they, you know, shots in the stomach. And it's basically that they boost your immune system. And then on day like nine, they extract stem cells from your fat tissue. So I did like a liposuction procedure on my lower back. Um, and they spin these cells down and they put them back into your body and they're new cells. So they start to rebuild and repair the damage from Lyme okay. disease. Um, got so I got to say like the first six months I was really fatigued. I'm like, these things are working because I am tired. I could barely even like walk around my apartment, go to the yeah. bathroom. I mean, it, it was just really hard to get around. Yeah, but, I, but after like month, nine, month, 10, I started getting like this, like rebirth of energy. And I'm like, oh my God, like I kind of feel normal again. Like I can actually move around and exercise again. And mm -hmm. um, so what, so during this healing process, I felt very comfortable um, when I found a community online that, I, that could relate to me. I didn't feel so isolated. Yeah. Um, so I found this, like, you know, I went on Instagram and I went on Facebook and I found these groups of people that had the same illness as me that we could all talk and everyone understood. It's very isolating when you're very normal. And, you know, I was a runner, I was a traveler. I was, you know, I just, yeah. I, I had no problem. Right. I was a workaholic. Yeah. And everybody around me was really like, you know, healthy. And I, and I didn't know anybody that had any illnesses. So I found this community online that was really helpful for me and really kind of made me feel more, you know, at ease and they understood what I was saying and we reached out for help and it was like a support group. Awesome. So then I started um, my own Instagram page actually. Mm -hmm. um, and I started it as, as a health journey to help people with what I learned. I've learned a lot over the past couple of years about your body systems and how sensitive everything's connected, your gut brain connection and supplements wow. and so I figured I could share this with people that needed the help. Um, I did that for a couple of years and it sort of evolved into like a food um, photography um, kind of Instagram that mm -hmm. focuses on, you know, foods for people that have autoimmune conditions. So like paleo, um, you know, like low sugar, low FODMAP, like vegan friendly, like because I, I know it sounds silly to people that don't have any kind of illness that eat like this, but for people with like us that have autoimmune conditions, you have to eat paleo or you feel very sick. So I started creating all these recipes because at first I didn't know what to eat. I was getting sick over everything I was eating. I didn't right. know what to eat. Yeah. It was like, you know, like eat white rice and chicken. Well, I couldn't eat white rice and it was making me sick. So I, you know, I can't have grains and so anyways, you know, long story, trying to cut a long story short, I started creating this Instagram page, creating my own foods. Um, I've always been a baker. My mom was a, was a baker growing up. So we love to bake together. So I started creating all these really flavorful baked goods, tasty mm -hmm. baked goods that I actually thought tasted just like the real thing. I started recreating childhood favorites like Oreos and Twix bars. And yes. um, so now my, yeah, so I've kind of evolved into this like, food, healthy sweets, um, you know, paleo page on Instagram. Um, and that led me to doing, you know, more food photography. So now I'm doing a, um, a full course on food photography. I'm learning the skills behind it. I'm learning how to use the camera again. I'm learning how to, you know, play with color and composition. So I'm trying to turn my illness into this like new creative outlet that I'm really enjoying. So incredible stuff. And what is so your, cool. um, Insta what is your food photography Lyme journey Instagram or is it, is it the same thing? Is it all, all one Instagram? It was one. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was called, um, the back to life, but I just changed it to, um, 
um, Gutsy Baker. So it'll be Gutsy underscore Baker on Instagram. I changed, I changed my name halfway through. I figured, well, now I'm going to gear more towards, you know, baking for people that have any kind of, you know, illnesses or digestive health. You know, I think that is what you're doing is just incredible. Like you said, for people who are having these, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be Lyme disease, but any kind of illness where they have to be, their stomach is so sensitive. Um, and I follow your page myself and your photography is just so incredible. And the, the food, every single post I look at it and I'm like, my mouth is watering. I'm like, Oh my <laughs> God. So, I I'm always like, you would taste just as good. <laughs> okay. Like guys, she makes Cheez-Its um like caramel delight girl scout cookies ice cream i mean you have to check her page out it is it's absolutely all like paleo it's and and yeah. stuff i mean it must yeah. be hard um like how do you even know how to make i mean has it just been for all your years of um you know figuring out what your stomach can handle like how do you even know how to make it with the right ingredients how do you do that yeah. I mean, like I said, having a baking background, I sort of know how things go together. Right. Um, and then I had to learn like all different flours. Like I bake, you know, with almond flour and coconut flour. And mm-hmm. it's not just for people that have, you know, you know, gut issues. It's for people that have autoimmune issues. Anybody that has like a, yeah. an immune system that's compromised, you're not supposed to eat sugar, cancer. You're supposed to cut out all that. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. So I started just experimenting and I started adding in foods myself. I'm like, I'm going to try chocolate. I cut chocolate out. God forbid. I don't know how I did it. I cut chocolate yeah. out for like three years and it was really hard. It was the hardest thing I had to do besides wine. Um, but I, right. I had to cut up. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still working on that one. That's a working yeah, project. Is there an alternative? Can you create a wine? Can you create a wine? <laughs> I make my own wine, please. I miss wine so much. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, just experimenting, trial and error. When you when you bake paleo good items, it's pretty much the same ingredients over and over again. It's like almond flour, coconut oil, the same stuff over and over again. Mm-hmm. You're just transforming it, you know, to different things. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just experimenting and playing yeah. around with it. Um, when I got Lyme, I actually took a year off from work. I couldn't work anymore. Um, oh. It really affected my, you know, my full-time job. I, I didn't have the energy for it. So then in that one year, mm-hmm. I went on a leave at work and I ended up just playing around and just making, yeah. you know, foods I could eat. Because at first I was eating just like, you know, boiled chicken. I'm like, I can't live off this, you know, baby food. I mean, literally baby yeah. food. So, Ugh. so, so yeah. I, I had to sort of make it, make it happen, but yeah. So it's great to get creative. Know. It was fun to create. And then like, you know, like, wow, this actually tastes just like, you know, some old cookies and then sharing it with my followers and having them report back to me saying, this is so amazing. You know, I made right. it for my four-year-old and he had no idea that it wasn't the wow. real thing. And thank you so much. And so I have people that are so happy that I'm creating yeah. these things for them to help them through their, you know, right. their it's illness like or you yourself have created a community of people. I'm sure with everyone just relying on you kind of in a way to help them and show them, you know, what they can eat. And the fact that it's foods that it's not like, you know, the, you know, you go to a weird vegan restaurant. It's like, I wouldn't even eat that in normal life. You know, like even if I wasn't, yeah. vegan, like, what is that weird right. thing? But for you, it's like right. actually foods that everyone enjoys, which I think is the most yeah. incredible part seems of it. like it. Yeah. It I mean, like it's like it. stuff that, you know, you would snack on or stuff that you would, you know, be looking forward to like the cookies and the Twix. I saw the Twix bars. There's Twix bars, guys. <laughs> I mean, this girl does it all. So oh, everyone amazing. has to check out her page. And it looks beautiful. Oh, like your oh, Instagram you. looks gorgeous. And you've thank told you so me much. stuff. I'm working on it. Yeah. And you've, I, you know, just from being friends with you, I've learned over the past few months how extensive it is. Like, Food photography is not just taking a photo of your food and posting it. I mean, there is lighting. You have to deal with backdrops, right, Steph? Like, there's all mm-hmm. different. Yeah, the, there's a, a whole, yeah, there's a whole, like, story to it. When you do food photography, you have to create a scene around your food to help people, you know, want to, uh, to either eat the food, buy the food, you know. Mm-hmm. If you want to work for a restaurant, shoot their food or, you know, make advertisements for brands, you have to really know how to sell it. So, it's, it's not just the food you're shooting. Um, you're shooting like the whole scene. 
Yeah, which you must be like, that's such an interesting thing because you're like creating a world for your job. And then now you're like right. building an entire scene with right. your artistic talent for your hobby. Like it's, yeah. it ties in so well. It's, it's related, but I guess say food photography is really hard, you guys, because you have to make the food, you have to make it look pretty. Okay, first of all, making the food look pretty is really hard because things are like drippy and they're melting and I'm, True. You know, I'm shooting ice cream and it's a big melty mess on the thing. And I'm like, geez, like, please, like, stay not melted for five more minutes. I didn't get the shot yet, you know? And I have to say, like, lighting and, like, reflections, like, you have to sort of play around with the whole color palette and the color wheel. And then you're going to put it in to like, you know, like Photoshop or Lightroom and you have to edit it in like mm -hmm. Lightroom. You have to add filters. Gosh. You have like an aesthetic. And so it's, it's definitely like a three or four step process. I got to say, it's really fun right now being in quarantine. It's keeping me very busy. Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, I think all in all, it's artistic and it definitely ties into my job as well. Like, you know, I'm learning more skills for work is, is how I'm seeing it. Yeah, I think awesome. I love that. I think it's such a beautiful story and it's like just so powerful that and to show people, you know, no matter what it is, if life has given you a pretty shitty situation, you can find a way to make it beautiful. You just have to Yeah. Yeah, you know, I have to say in the beginning, it's it's tough because you're, you know, you're very healthy and all of a sudden this happens to you in like a few weeks and you start going down and you, you don't know where to turn, but you mm -hmm. definitely go through a period where you're confused and you're upset that it happened to you. And then I got to say like mindset's half the battle. Um, right, right. I, you know, I, I, I was part of a community and then I just sort of started growing from that learning more. And, you know, once I became positive, I have to say that's when I started healing, when I had a po positive attitude and I see wow. it as a positive change. Mm -hmm. I have to say it changed me so much as a person. It really makes you have this compassion for others. You know, it, it, it just gives you a whole different light on life. Cause you think mm -hmm. back on the times where you were totally normal and you think, I cannot believe I got up and I did that and I ate that and I traveled to Italy and I didn't right. even think anything of it. And now I'm going to do that now. Yeah, yeah. You take a lot for granted. And when mm -hmm. you go through something like this, whether it be, I don't know, an illness or a hard time in your life, a hardship, anything mm -hmm. at all that you go through a struggle, it really does change you as a person. And I mm -hmm. just feel like we all have something that we go through and this mm -hmm. is what I went through. And I, you know, you have to see the outside of it and it made me a better person. It made me slow down, mm -hmm. made me balance my life out better. I was not balanced. I was all go, 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 go. I never slowed down. And I think that this is definitely like, you know, yo girl, stop. Like, Put the brakes on you have yeah. to chill out your body does not like when you don't stop so it, it definitely puts things into perspective so you yeah. have to just put a positive light on it and just see the best in it otherwise it's just going to be i don't know you know you don't want to be stuck in this like new world where you're not happy you just have right. to find you know people that you can connect with that mm -hmm. you know have anything you know like you or that have similar situations that they're going through really really helps a lot because you're like i'm not alone in this yeah um yeah. yeah no you know just finding positivity in it i think is the best thing that you can do right and you awesome. having to take that pause with your life at the end of the day created a new artistic avenue for you that maybe you wouldn't have found if you know it right. didn't happen so I love right. it. Thank you so much, Steph. This yeah, has been of such course. a great Thanks conversation. You're so talented. You're also an inspiration. Oh, I love you very oh, much. So awesome um, to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. I feel honored. Everyone <laughs> has to check out Steph's Instagram, which is gutsy underscore baker. And you will see, you know, anyone who's listening, if you have any kind of, you know, issues similar to what we were talking about, definitely check that out. Follow her and follow her even if you don't have any issues because you will want her stuff anyway. Everybody will yeah. like it. I promise. Now yeah. I will trick you all. When yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> and that should yeah, be your tagline. I will trick you. Yeah. <laughs> you are fooled. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hey, and if anybody like wants to reach out to me, like you want to shoot me a DM or if anybody is in like, you know, the situation that that's similar and that needs someone to chat with or and wants advice or I mean, for whatever reason at all, feel free to reach out to me. I'm, I'm happy to be here and to help others. So awesome. That is so awesome. Thank you, Steph. 
Thanks. Of course. Thanks, girl. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode five. We had so much fun today. This was a fun one. Please don't forget to send us a note. Email us. Our email address is in the description of our podcast. Same with our Instagram. Definitely follow us. We're on there all the time. So hit us up and we'll see you next week. But seriously, guys. Seriously, guys. But seriously, guys. How, how are, are we, we not invited? invited?